I'm going to give you six numbers. One, 22, 69, 9. What's that? If I did it correctly. <laughs> we don't hear the numbers that way. It should have come out the year 2019. But you know, we have to go from year to year and we have to learn to write our checks a little bit differently in a couple of days. I heard the other day, it's important for us to remember what we call this new year. I've heard people call it the year 2002. If you go back to the year 1999, we didn't say the year was 1,999, did we? It's a lot easier to say 2020. In fact, if you're going to be here on New Year's Eve, I want to spend my message about that whole thing, 2020, because it, it has to do with how we look at the world. 2020 vision, 2020 newscast, it gives a clear perspective. But 2020 is going to be the new year. Up until this time, we've been celebrating a lot of holidays. Holiday season really begins very early. Probably begins about Labor Day. That's when the malls start changing. You have Labor Day, and then you get the football season, and you get Halloween, and you get Thanksgiving, and you get college football bowl games, and you get the Super Bowl. All this kind of gets combined into the holiday season. And sometimes we kind of mix it up. And we assume certain things are religious holidays when they aren't. For example, Thanksgiving is a national holiday. It's not really a Christian holiday. Christians around the world don't celebrate it. We do. But you don't have to be a Christian to say Thanksgiving to God, whoever he may be in the terms of that individual. But you know, Christmas is special. Easter is special. Because it has to do with what God's doing in the world, not what we're doing. It's not something we came up with. It's all of a sudden God intervening in our world. And that's what we've been doing and celebrating the last few days. But you know, it's time now to start changing. Christmas is just a few days away. We still got Christmas trees and so forth, still have decorations. But soon it's going to be time to de-decorate. It's going to be time to put the trees and all that stuff away in the attic or wherever you put it. And we get on with our lives. It becomes like a normal day. And even if you're retired now, it's a re going back to the life as usual, life as we normally see it. Life with its humdrum days, life with its normal days, life with its getting up and do whatever the course of the day is going to bring us. And we have to go through that. But it's not just the humdrum days. It's also the days where things are not going to go right. Where things will go wrong. Just they've done all this year, we can kind of count out there's going to be things going wrong next year. Not everything, but a lot of stuff. Because we still live in this sin-filled world. We're part of that sinful world. We're the sinners. We're surrounded by other sinners. We're surrounded by a world that's really trying to get all it can for itself. And that's the pace that we live in today. 
And there will be all kinds of problems. Kids all of a sudden now realize that they don't have to worry anymore about being naughty or nice. They can be naughty all the time. <laughs> but you know, and realistically, we kind of realize that we have problems with ourselves. New Year's resolutions will be made in a couple of days for a lot of people. How many of you make New Year's resolutions every year? Nobody. Good. <laughs> whether you do or whether you don't, whether you got some wishful good intentions or whether you don't, you know, it's kind of a traditional kind of thing. And then we realize a few days later, well, we're slipping a little bit. It doesn't make that much difference after all. And so we're back to living as we were the year before. But life goes on. It goes on whether we're ready for it or not. And we will continue to make messes of our lives. We live in a sinful world. We are sinful things. I read this week that there are really four things that are really hard to say. One is it's hard to say I'm a sinner. Secondly, it's hard to say I'm sorry. Thirdly, it's hard to ask for help. And fourthly, it's hard to say Worcestershire sauce. You didn't get it, anyway. <laughs> it was hard for me. <laughs> but, you know, we go through this life and filled with these tensions, and we, we're going to mess up. But that's why God came into this world in Jesus Christ. In the, in the gospel lesson for today, it's a story that he already came, and he's two years old and so forth, and you say, what happened in two days? Jesus grew two years. No, it's just kind of giving a, a picture of all that's going on in Jesus' early years, but... In the, gospel, or the epistle reading this morning from Galatians chapter 4, it said, kind of a review of Christmas. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to God's law. He was sent to buy us freedom. For we were slaves, but he's adopted us as his very own children. Now, since you're one of God's children, everything that God has, he gives to you. God sent his son into this world for a single purpose. To clean up the mess of sin. To clean up the punishment for sin. To solve the problem that we were totally incapable of doing. God loves to fix things. God loves to me fix messes. So it's important to remember what God is doing. And while we can go about doing things our own way, we can mop the floors. We're trying to sell our house. That's what we've got to do all the time now. Mop the floors almost daily. Because things get tracked in. And we're very aware that when a house is clean, there shouldn't be any problems with it. And so we take the time to mop. My father came home one day from work, and his wife was totally fatigued. And he said, what's wrong, dear? He said, six hours I've been mopping these floors and taking off the old wax and taking up the scars and everything on my hands and knees for six hours, and I got it all cleaned up, and then what happened? The kids came home, and they messed it all up. And she said, I'm so frustrated. And the father said, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And just then the kids came back into the house. 
And he said, wait a minute. I want to explain to you what your mom's been doing all day long to clean this house for us. I don't want you to mess it up. In fact, if anybody spills anything on this floor, they're going to have to clean it up and go to their room for two hours all alone. And immediately the wife took her cup of coffee and poured it on the floor <laughs> and got down on her hands and knees and cleaned it up again and went to her room and she wasn't seen for two hours. You know, we go through life and sometimes messes get cleaned up. We teach our children, if you've made a mess, when they get to a certain age, you're supposed to want to you're going to be the one that cleans it up. And we take responsibility for our actions. But sometimes we don't. We like to blame somebody else. We like to assume that I'm really not so bad, that someone else is really at fault, and, and I don't have to worry about it so much at all. But you know, God says, no, you are responsible. On the last day, who's going to appear before God in your behalf? Nobody but you. And then Jesus. And that's all you need. What's your life been like up to this point? I'm sure there's things that you're proud of and some things that you're pretty much ashamed of. Were you either disappointed yourself or you disappointed God? God says, I want to clean up your sin mess. And I'm the only one that can do it. For you will not clean it up completely or perfectly. You may take care of a few things every once in a while with New Year's resolutions or commitments of a new kind to change things as they once were. But God says, friend, you still have a problem. And he wants us to be his children, as Paul said in Galatians earlier. He wants us to be his children and he makes us his children he says, you're no longer a slave of sin. You're no longer filthy, dirty, contaminated by your life. You're God's child. And because of that, you're clean. And he says, now everything I have given you belongs to you. In other words, we can wear the white robe. We can stand before God and not be ashamed or embarrassed. We can stand before anybody and not really be ashamed or embarrassed. We can look in the mirror and not be ashamed or embarrassed anymore. Why? Because of what he's done. Because he came to us at Christmas. And that's the joy that we should all have experienced. It wasn't the fact of a little bitty baby born in Bethlehem. Little bitty babies are born all day or every day. But the fact of who he was and why he had come. Because God has made me free, because he's cleaned me up, does that mean that I can do anything I please at any time? No. We're called to be his children and to live a different kind of life. I'll tell you a true story, and you may have heard it before. It happened several years ago now. But it is a, a good story. There was once a, a brother and sister the girl was older, she was 12, and the boy was 10. And they fought like a lot of children do, like cats and dogs, every single day. They were always in each other's hair, and the parents had to separate them and so forth. Until one day, both of the children came down with a very bad disease. They tried all kinds of things. 
There was no known cure. But the doctor kept trying to discover something where he could heal him because they were both on their deathbed, both in the hospital. And finally, they had, the doctor said, there's going to have to be a transfusion of someone who can, has the same blood type and everything matches correctly, and then we're going to give a certain kind of serum as an antidote. We've checked all kinds of people. We told these parents there's only one person who can help. The son had gotten back to normal and was now home. The little girl was dying, and something had to be done immediately. And so the doctor said, can I talk to your son? And the parents said, yes. He realized he was only 10 years old, and he had a hard time explaining it to him. But the doctor said, your sister needs your blood, or she's going to die. Would you be willing to give it? The little boy's head went down. He started to cry. And finally he looked up again and he said, Doctor, if it makes my sister well and keeps her alive, yes. And so immediately they got the boy prepared in the bed next beside his sister. They started the blood transfusion, his blood flowing into her veins. And while he was doing that, he was watching that blood flow out of his own arm into that of his sister. Pretty soon, his sister, her cheeks became rosy once again. And she quickly recovered. And she was happy. It was almost instantaneous. And then the little boy said, Doctor, when am I going to die now, and is it going to hurt? I gave all my blood to her. The doctor had failed to advise him. He didn't have to give all of his blood. <laughs> he still had some of his own. But now he was greatly relieved. And the doctor was relieved. and said, oh, I should have told that poor boy all the things that he went through to save his sister that he doesn't even really like. But he did it anyway. I'm happy to report that those two children grew up and they're the bestest of friends. But you know, when we live this life, we're here to live it for other people as best we can. And that's part of what we celebrate at Christmas. Most of us, if we were able to, got together with, with family or, or good friends and so forth. We, we want to share that experience and it's kind of like giving a little my blood to you and, and sharing that. That's what life is really all about. That's what love is all about. That God gave his blood, his love to us. These words from Galatians are rather interesting because he says, Now since you are my child, everything that I have belongs to you. God gave his own blood through his son Jesus Christ that you might be able to live. It did take his life. He was resurrected, yes. But it all is now okay because of what he did in your behalf. His blood cleanses us from all our sins, from all our messes. 
There is no mess that you've done that cannot be cleaned up by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from God's love. We are heirs of His family. And we will receive now all that belongs to us. This morning in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we receive His blood. Another transfusion of sorts. Oh, it's not physical. It's spiritual. But it's meant to give us that hope and that constant, constant companionship. Knowing that His blood cleanses us from all sin. We are His children, St. Paul said. We are God's children. And who would not do anything possible for that children to save their lives? Well, friends, that's what God did for you and for me. To take away all the mess. To clean it all up. So we can go through life no longer worried or feeling insecure. Regardless of what happens to you in the year, new year, know this. God's going to be there for you and with you and forgive you over and over again. You're part of his family. I'd like to sing a song. We are heirs of his family. Or we are family. Okay, can you begin, Ruth? And I'll lead it if we need to. You may not know it, but it's easy to sing. We are heirs of the Father. We are joined as with the Son. We are children of the kingdom. We are family. We are one place. Please. <laughs> we are sanctified. We are cleansed by His blood. We are born of the Spirit. We are children. sang that before in your life? How many of you have? Just a couple. Okay. This was very popular about 30 years ago. So y'all are too young to probably have known that. 